Welcome to the Ayn Rand Center UK. It's the daily objective. We've got a really interesting topic for our audience, not just in the United Kingdom, jolly old England as it's often called, but around the world. Objectivism is a philosophy for living on earth, both in England, the West uh, broadly, but truly anywhere on this, this uh, great land. So we've got a great presentation for you, but even before we get to it, we've got a great person, Rosie Ginsburg, the so-called maestro behind the scenes. He's the puppeteer pulling the strings of what happens here at the, the Daily Objective. No, in all honesty, he is the, the person who makes this all happen. He is the, the person behind the Ayn Rand Center UK. He is the person who's organizing some of the great events that are coming up live in the UK. And Rosie, I'm always happy to share the screen with you and for you to, to tell us a bit more about what's coming up in just a few weeks from now. Thanks, Jonathan. So uh, yeah, I'm only here for the announcement and uh, then I have to go uh, prepare for the in-person London Ayn Rand meetup that's taking place tonight on Rand's essay, Extremism or the Art of Smearing, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Uh, in two weeks from today, as you know, uh, and as you mentioned, we have a, a week of events, uh, including ARI's European conference, uh, Ayn Rand Con Europe, and our events before the conference and um, and after the conference. So one of these events is Yaron Brook and Andrew Doyle uh, talking about art in the age of wokeness. That's two weeks from today, actually two weeks from right now, because that event will start with um, Nikos and Rucka hosting the Daily Objective live on, on stage. Uh, it will be followed by uh, Yaron and Andrew Doyle. For people who don't know Andrew Doyle, uh, maybe Daniel will put in the chat um, Andrew Doyle's parody account called Titani McGrath, which is like a parody uh, woke SJW kind of thing. It's, it's really funny. Um, and uh, and yeah, there's also the ticket link in the chat. Uh, ARC UK members get in for free. Uh, but if you're not an ARC UK member, you do need a ticket uh, for this event. Our other events um, during that week are, are going to be free, our other evening events. And um yeah. Oh, and it takes place in a church. So uh, that's that's, that's going to be interesting. It's our first ever event in, in a church. Um, so another reason to, to join us. And uh, you're muted, Jonathan. But it, I was going to say, Rezi, it, it takes place and it's taking place because of support of our subscribers, our super chatters. I mean, they're the ones who are helping making, making this happen. You know, I want to just quickly remind people during COVID, Razi really uh, uh, busted his keister to provide a ton of content, really a whole objectivist network that is uh, goes on Monday through really Sunday here. We've got five, six days worth of content from some of the biggest stars, names, voices, and objectivism, people like James Valiant, uh, Don Watkins, Nikos Sapira Kapalapagos, um, Rucka Rucka Ali, and so many more. Harry Binswanger, who of course knew I ran, worked with her. So thanks to you, Razi. And now we're bringing it live once again. So check out the link join Razi uh, and, and the crew in the UK and certainly your own, your own live alone is just worth the price of admission. So Razi, thank you. And, and, and before I go, listen. I'll say uh, thanks, Brian, for, for the super chat. All right. Thanks, thank Jonathan. Have a great show. See you later. All right, Razi, thank you. And, and, and again, uh, for all the work you're doing and all the super chats from our audience, including Brian, just getting us going here and, and bringing all this great, I think, pretty interesting and pretty important content to you. All right. So what what are we talking about today? Behind the facade. Uh, and first of all, let me thank you once again for being with us and uh, being with me today. Um, well, you might have noticed that image that was the kind of the promo for today's show. And it showed me, your humble host, Jonathan Honig from capitalistpig.com, with a, a, a 
kind of peeling off to reveal a lizard underneath. And to understand what that is, I gotta take you back. You know it's me, so it's always gotta be a little bit of a visual component. Gotta take you back to 1984, to a little TV show that I watched at the time called V, V the miniseries. And in V, if you don't remember it, basically what happened was aliens came to Earth. You might not remember it, but basically aliens came to Earth, big spaceships, you've seen that one before. And they were just like us. The aliens were just like us, very you know, nicely dressed. They were loved their children. They were advanced. They were just like us. Uh, they, besides the fact that they wore kind of red space suits or kind of uniforms, um, they looked to totally normal and human. These are the aliens. But, but, turns out, Surprise, surprise, the aliens were violent. They were violent. And here's the rub. When you pulled away their skin, they were actually lizards, lizards underneath. So they were evil lizards underneath the facade. That, that was the kind of the, the idea behind the idea today, the hook, if you will, and the thing I want you to keep in the back of your mind as we begin talking about uh, the topic writ large. And that, of course, is something from Ayn Rand. You know, that's always what inspires us. And um, this is going back to something of hers from The Fountainhead. I'm going to quote it verbatim, if you don't mind. Uh, I would give the greatest sunset in the world for one of New York's skyline, particularly when one can't see the details, just the shapes. And what you're looking there with apologies to Miss Rand, is actually, that's not the New York skyline, that's the Chicago skyline. And you're seeing there's just the shapes, the outline of some of the, uh, some of the buildings there. The shape, again, quoting from Miss Rand, the shapes and the thought that made them, the sky over New York, New York and the will of man made visible. What other religion do we need, she asks. And there you can see the, uh, you know, the skyscrapers of New York and this, this is the Empire State Building you're seeing there. And I think what's worth noting, I think they have it in the UK as well. There's something that they call Earth Hour. So Earth Hour is the hour where they shut off all the lights. And I thought, kind of apropos of Ms. Rand's comment about the will of man made visible, look at the skyline of Manhattan lit up and look at it down without man. Look at it darkened. Look at the difference of that. Just ask yourself, how does that make you feel? Just seeing it lit up the presence of man and then the empty shell. This is my interpretation without man. Again, quoting from Miss Rand here. And then people tell me about pilgrimages to some dark pest hole in a jungle where they go to do homage to a crumbling temple, to a leering stone monster with a pot belly curated by some leprous savage. Now, this isn't exactly that, but I did visit the Middle East a few years ago. Here's a photo of me in front of uh, I was gonna ask Frazi about this. I think they call it Masada, the, the, the stone Masada. Tell me on the super chat. I'm not seeing a lot of super chats here. We're already seven minutes in. I wanna see some super chats to support all these AVs. But this is me, in, I believe, not a leprous uh, uh, temple, but basically in front of a great site. And this is what I did when I went to the Middle East. I went to Israel. I toured a lot of sites. I saw a lot of Stone Age, but you know, it really didn't move me. It didn't do anything for me, certainly not like the skyscrapers. The thing I remember, frankly, most about Israel were some of the Israeli soldiers I met, lovely young women, very inspiring young women, but nothing like the, the you know, the, 
the, the skyscrapers, the skyscrapers that I think probably inspired Rand and certainly inspired me. Quoting again from Miss Rand, is it beauty and genius they wanna see? Do they seek a sense of the sublime? Let them come to New York, stand on the shore of the Hudson, look and kneel. And here we see a photo of me, I'm not in New York once again, but I'm overlooking the skyline of Chicago. And again, I think just in my mind, at least channeling perhaps Miss Rand and some of that, some of those words, this is that same view for our, our uh, YouTube listeners who are seeing us. This is that same view in various times of the year, with the sun coming up and the sun coming down and autumn and lit up. And then late in the evening, we're seeing, I think in my mind now that juxtaposition of man's genius with the earth and all these different environments and all these different things. To me, that is as sublime as certainly more sublime than the pyramids or Masada or anything that is from the ancient world. To me, this is the genius of man in, in the current world. Again, from the fountainhead, when I see the city from my window, no, I don't feel how small I am, but I feel that if a war came to threaten this, I would throw myself into space over the city and protect these buildings with my body. Now, what an amazing quote from Miss Rand. Although, you know, I can't say that I ever um, protected the, the buildings with my body. Uh, I did, I think, honor the buildings a little bit. You might remember, this is now going back a few years, um, one of my claims to fame is a, uh, a weird ter uh, term, but one of the things I should say I'm proud of, and this was covered in the, uh, the objective standard at the time, I was the first hedge fund manager to advertise uh, in the United States after a long prohibition. And I did it with a quote and a visual of the skyline and a quote from Miss Ayn Rand. You can see here, this is the first hedge fund advertisement. I'm proud to say featured a quote from Ayn Rand. Um, and it featured a skyline, which I know inspired me and I, I'd hope to think would inspire her. So we're talking about a lot of issues here today. Not seeing a lot of super chats, only one from Brian, given the amount of visuals, but I'm hoping to change that here with this next, uh, I don't know, for some reason, uh, uh, this next stanza here. So we're talking a lot about facades. We're talking a lot about the inspiration of architecture. I think all of this is, in my mind, has a lot of objectivist themes. I mean, certainly we're talking about quotes from from uh, the, the Fountainhead. Here's Howard Wark from the Fountainhead. And you know, just this appreciation for skyscrapers. I'm not the only objectivist I know who loves skyscrapers, loves architecture, um, you know, uh, and, and thinks it's pretty important, thinks it's pretty inspiring. So what does this all have to do with the idea of facades? Well, um, it kind of got me thinking uh, of something that when we say a fake film facade, I'm sure you, you've heard of this, you know what this is. This is you know, when they build a, a town to look like a real town, but it's not a real town. It's just the, the front of a town and there's something else behind it. Um, Don, I mentioned this to Don, Don Watkins. He's one of the, the superstars you see here on the Ayn Rand Center UK. I mentioned this idea, this idea of a facade and, you know, peeling away to see the real, the lizard underneath. It's the ideas that have been in my head. And, you know, Don, who's here on the channel all the time, Don reminded me of that wonderful quote from Atlas Shrugged where Eddie Willers and Miss Rand are writing about the great oak tree. The, I'm gonna quote once again, the great oak tree had stood on a hill overlooking the over the Hudson in a lonely spot of the Taggart estate. Eddie Willers, age seven, liked to come and look at that tree. It had stood there for hundreds of years. And he thought he would always stand there. Its roots clutched to the hill like a fist with fingers sunk into the soil. 
And he thought that if a giant were to seize it by the top, he would not be able to uproot it, but would swing the hill and the whole of the earth with it like a ball at the end of a string. He felt safe in the oak tree's presence. It was a thing that nothing could change or threaten. It was the greatest symbol of strength. One night, lightning struck the oak tree. It, Eddie saw the next morning, it lay broken in half. And he looked at its trunk into the mouth of a black tunnel. The trunk was only an empty shell. Its heart had rotted away long ago. There was nothing inside, just a thin gray dust that was being dispersed by the whim of the faintest wind. And that, of course, is from Atlas Shrugged. Well, how can we tie this all back to kind of what we're seeing today in this idea of facades and architecture? Well, look at a facade. I mean, I used to think when you saw a facade, you saw, you know, or excuse me, when you saw a skyscraper or you saw a skyline, it was like New York. But then you look at a skyline though, I don't know, I, I've helped you out with the first one, but I'm gonna tease you and test you on some of these. Let's look at a skyline like Moscow. Here's a skyline of Moscow. Now, I've never been to Moscow, but that's a pretty impressive skyline, I suppose. I mean, it's tall, it looks pretty modern, it's elevators in there, I assume there's offices in there. So you, know, you look at a, a place like Moscow, again, I've never been, but it looks almost like the visitors from V, right? When they first come down, they, they look pretty normal uh, or they look like what looks like a real town in the movies, it looks pretty normal. Uh, and even if you, you know, learn about Moscow, there's like nice restaurants there, there's shopping malls there. And thank you, Robert, for the donation. Uh, that very generous donation. You know, it looks like a pretty normal place, Moscow. Uh, there's a symphony orchestra there, there's kids there. But then again, borrowing from V, you, you pull apart the ideas, you pull apart that facade. And I mean, needless to say, we know what's going on in Moscow these days. We know what's emanating out of Moscow. We don't want, we've talked about it on the channel, but one thing I want to highlight in particular was something that has gotten a little bit of attention, but really has been going on in Moscow and in, in Russia all the time, just as symbolic of it. I mean, there's, we, could, we could spend hours going into it, but does anyone know who this young lady is, this woman is? This is the uh, basketball player, I guess the WNBA player. Her name is Brittany Grainer, Gainer, I believe. And she was detained in Moscow. She's jailed in Moscow for this. What is this? You might not know. Well, this is a vape cartridge. And I guess for people who imbibe in cannabis or I think even uh, like other things, you can have uh, whatever is in cigarettes. This is a vape cartridge. And Brittany uh, Griner, excuse me, she was arrested for drug trafficking charges because she was found with a illegal vape in uh, Moscow. And there you see her she, I believe she's like an NBA star, or not an NBA, a WNBA star, but she was a, a um, uh, Olympic star. And there you see her like a friggin', I mean, under arrest because why she got stuck with, or she got found with a vape cartridge. And it just got me thinking of this idea of once again, just because a country has skyscrapers doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that there's human beings in those skyscrapers. If it's a real human culture, at least in my perspective, what I think to be an objectivist perspective at all. Pull away the skin there, look at some of the ideas. And despite the fact there is a skyline, you know, which I, you know, Rand talks about with such reverence, and I believe to much reverence, that doesn't mean anything more. I mean, some of the most 
beautiful skylines have some of the most peel it away against the most absolutely hideous ideologies and you know, I'll just say it, people behind them. You want another? Do you want another? Let me see if you want another. I haven't checked out the, well, you know, from the, from the looks of the super chat, doesn't look like you want another. I don't know. I don't want to be rude, but it seems like if I was Rucka or Mark Pellegrino now, we'd be seeing hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but maybe I'll inspire you this time around. I'm going to give you another example of a facade. Can anyone name this facade? Anyone tell me where this is? Oh, Kirk is close. Kirk is Coke. He's Kirk. Now, Kirk, I'm letting off the hill with no super chat because if you know Kirk's work, he, he does amazing work. This is the facade uh, or the, the skyline, I should say. It is a facade, but it's the skyline of Saudi Arabia. But look at it. Like, I mean, beautiful skyscraper, looks very futuristic, looks very modern. And, you know, Saudi Arabia kind of has that, has that image, if you will, right? I mean, it's like supposed to be a modern city. Uh, here's just one of the buildings in Saudi Arabia. I've never, again, I've never visited, but does anyone know uh, the name of this particular area in Saudi Arabia? Probably not. No. Well, I you don't have to do too much digging. It's actually pretty well known. It's I mean, it looks pretty normal. You think, well, maybe it's a courthouse or, uh, I don't know, maybe just a picnic area or DMV, I don't know. What is this area? Well, this is called Dira Square. It's a public space in Rida, Saudi Arabia, in which public executions, usually beheadings, takes place. It's sometimes known as Al Safa Square, Justice Square, and colloquially, wait for it, Chop Chop Square. Yeah. Chop Chop Square. They have a place in Saudi Arabia with all those beautiful buildings and people working in them and a banks and a stock exchange and all this modern stuff, right? Like the aliens, they come down the facade, but peel it away and they've got a place called Chop Chop Square. Why? Not because they're chopping vegetables, people, but because they are executing people. They are beheading them right in the shadow. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's an insult to, <laughs> thank you, Allison. She says, she sends super chats regardless of who it is. She doesn't have much to say, but she just says that I do fine work, keep up the good work. And thank you, Allison. Thank you for that contribution. You're, you're keeping us going here at the Ayn Rand Center UK and you know, keeping hopefully some of these ideas because to me, Saudi Arabia is hedonist. I mean, you might've saw the headlines they executed 81 people, the largest mass ex uh, execution in modern history this week. This was the 14th. What is it? The, the 6th, 18th? It's, this was like four days ago. They got them together in fucking chop, chop, chop. It's not chop, chop. I wish it was chop, chop. It's chop, chop square. And I get, I get angry because this is frigging hideous. This is barbaric. This is torturous. Thank you, Kirk. I mean... This is in like in the shadow of these skyscrapers. I don't know if I was Howard Wark, I don't know if I would accept the commission in Saturday Arabia. I mean, do you want your building to be done in the shadow of this? I mean, you, they don't allow you to take this, but of course, you know, it's, uh, uh, they don't allow you to shoot this, but this goes on. This is what happens. This is justice in Saudi Arabia. This is what happens in Saudi Arabia. This is, and if you want to say, oh, well, they only do this for, you know, probably this is the worst of the worst. This is just something you know, oh, it's just a, oh, for the worst of the worst. Oh no, here's some of the capital defenses in Saudi Arabia. 
like drug smuggling, blasphemy, homosexuality, treason, right? Whatever they decide treason is, sorcery or witchcraft. So, you know, if you're an emo in <laughs> or a wiki in Saudi Arabia, you're, you know, SOL or waging war on God. So basically the arbitrary, whatever they decide, you're waging war on God. And that is disgusting. Things like that. I mean, I don't have to bring you one of Dr. Uh, Smith's, Tara Smith's books about objective law to know that if they're going to behead you in fucking chop chop square because of your waging war on God, this is a place that doesn't deserve skyscrapers. They're not worthy of skyscrapers. And I, I would never visit them, even though I love skyscrapers. I'm never going to go to Moscow. I'm never going to go to Middle East. And I, I, you know, it's an insult to skyscrapers to have this type of society. In my opinion, I'm not speaking of objectivism, I'm not speaking of Iran, but it's their facades. I don't think they're real skyscrapers. And the best example is, can anyone name this? Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Kirk. Can anyone name, uh, tell me where, where is this? I'll give you a hint. It's a, that's a skyscraper, but I believe it was built in the 80s and it hasn't changed since. Does anyone know where that is? And you, if you're from the States, you certainly haven't been there. Yeah. Uh, Pyongyang, yes, Alex in the Shatterbraid. That is Pyongyang, North Korea. And this is a, a supposedly a, a uh, hotel that like the Russians started building was never finished. Thank you, Marilene. But it is a skyscraper. I mean, look, and needless to say, I don't have to tell you a little bit about what's going on in, you know, not just going on, but what goes on in North Korea. They have, I mean, I mean, again, we could go on for on and on and on, but you know, they've got a they've got a skyscraper, but yet they forced the defector, a defector to watch 11 musicians get executed with anti-aircraft guns. I mean, freaking sick. This is from the, the New York Times, like in the last week or two. They executed people for watching K-pop. At least seven people have been put to death in the past, oh, back decade, I'm sorry, decade, for watching or distributing K-pop videos. I mean, that is unspeakable. That is, you know, the fact that they have electricity there is almost incredible. And I think Christopher made the point. This is what happens when people abandon moral principles. It's Barbarism using, using modern wealth and technology. I mean, to the extent that we enable it and we allow it. And look, there's really, North Korea is an obvious case, right? It's just, it's an obvious case. But there's some pretty mixed cases that I think you have to make your own judgments on. I mean, I don't want to go to North Korea. I know maybe some of you in the, the uh, UK can. I know we're not allowed to hear, but what about Singapore? You know, this is Singapore, it's a hub of wealth, I suppose, um, but Singapore has got some pretty shady attitudes as well. Does anyone here smoke weed? This isn't too much. Maybe this is two or three ounces. I don't know, it's not too much. I don't know too much about this, but I know that if you're caught with 18 ounces of cannabis, which I mean, isn't too much, it's not like enough to open a dispensary. <clears throat> I mean, if you're a heavy smoker, it might be what you might smoke. I mean, that is mandatory capital punishment. Capital punishment, they put you to death in advanced Singapore, modern Singapore, first world Singapore, it's barbaric. And if you say, all right, you know, okay, fine. They're just, they're tough on drugs. And other than that, it's pretty cool. I mean, 
I'm not the only one to make this point. Caning is very common in Singapore for smoking, for alcohol consumption, for fighting, for vandalism and theft. This is straight off of Wikipedia. So this is not kind of my own perspective here. That to me is pretty sick. You know, I, I love the human body. I don't like to see it defaced or maimed or uh, um, broken down. And I don't believe that that is, I don't know, worthy of a human to kind of beat up a human body like that. As, as this is my perspective, this is certainly an objectivism, but there's something about a country that calls it first self, first world that says, you know, boy, if you, if you litter, the best way to detain you from doing that is, is tying you down and beating you. I just think there's something about that that is absolutely disgusting. And we'll end on, you know, probably the, the arch, well, probably the second arch example of this. This is a place I know probably a lot of you either have been or maybe are even living now. Thank you, uh, Shadow Blade. They're not worthy of those beauty and scrapers. I, I agree with that. They're not worthy of it. Thank you, Marilene. Electricity is a hit or miss in North in No Korea. That's a good point too. Uh, Singapore is long. Where is this? I mean, I'd like to visit this place. I never went, but I don't think I'm going to go at this point. Does anyone want to tell me where this is? I'm waiting. Well, I won't wait that too long because we're already going on. Up. Um, I mean, look, they've got Michelin stars in Beijing, right? Fabulous restaurants in Beijing. Close shadow bring shadow blade. That's Hong, you know Hong Kong. It's it's Shanghai. Thank you, Alex. It's China. China writ large. I mean, there's Michelin stars in China, but this is a backward and getting more seemingly by the moment place. You know, growing up, I have to say, I was talking with a friend. I always used to think it was pretty bizarre that China was a place that limited how many children you could have. As a child, I was like, what? You know, as an American, you have this sense of if I can afford it, I should have a whole harem if I want, I don't know, not harem, but I should have a whole, you know, you had the sense of, it was always bizarre to me. And I think China had a, in a period of reform and that period seemed to be going out the window. I don't follow it too closely, but uh, increasingly every moment, the social media tracking and the censorship is getting, I mean, any censorship is out of control, but it seems to be more and more out of control. It is, uh, supposedly the biggest captor of journalists, citizen journalists all the time. Journalists are facing what they say are a nightmare worthy of the Mao era. And of course, we know it's been going on in Hong Kong. One year, Dr. Jerome Brook himself says that he's never going back to Hong Kong. So, you know, this is something, this is kind of my whole idea today is that we love skyscrapers. I love skyscrapers. Miss Rand, I think, wrote a lot about skyscrapers and kind of when you look at a skyscraper like New York's, like Chicago's, like the, the UK, the Shard and the Bean and all that, or um, what are they called? The Gherkin. I mean, it's not just enough anymore to look at a skyscraper. You have to look at the ideas behind it and look at what's going on behind it and understand behind it. Because often in so many of these places, like Russia, like the Middle East, peel back. It doesn't take a lot. Look up V. It didn't take a lot to peel back that human skin and see an unbelievable, disgusting lizard underneath. And that's what a lot of these countries are. Never going to see me in Russia. Never going to see me in the Middle East. I don't care how beautiful the skyscrapers are. We need to be drop, dropping what we're doing here, the Iron Man Center UK, to them. We need to be getting 
more people from these countries like Russia, if they can travel, have them come to what we're doing in the Middle East, or Middle East, thankfully not in the Middle East, but in, in, in the UK. Have them come to some of the lectures that Razi is doing. Have them read uh, the new textbook of Americanism and get people to think about ideas. You know, I'll leave you with a wonderful um, kind of comment from Ms. Rand about um, four characteristics she wrote, she wrote about, which brand a country unmistakably a dictatorship, one party rule, executions without trial or with a mock trial, there's your Saudi Arabia, one party rule, there's your Russia, the nationalization or expropriation of private property, of course, that's what's going on in Russia now and goes on all over the world, and censorship, a country guilty of these outrages forfeits any moral prerogatives, any claim to national rights or sovereignty, it becomes an outlaw. So once again, I think, you know, Ms. Rand making the point, things to keep an eye on, things to be aware of, and um, things to think that are important. Skyscrapers are beautiful, but when it's evil behind it, certainly wouldn't sanction it, wouldn't go near it, and would be very, very near of it as well. Thank you for making us part of your day. Mary Lean recommends In Order to Live. I don't know it, but I'll certainly investigate it. Thank you, Mary Lean, for all your contributions. It is, I think, 6.30, 7.30 p.m. UK. Keep it tuned here to the Ayn Rand Center UK because we're always bringing you more information, not just from an objectivist perspective, but on objectivist issues. Don Watkins, Harry Binswanger, James Valiant, some of the brightest, biggest stars, Dr. Jerome Brook. We're having a whole conference in like less than two weeks. So if you're anywhere in the UK area, if you're anywhere in Europe, get on a train and get your hiney to the UK and be part of what we're doing here. Meet some of these great people, become part of our community, sign up now and um, make us part of your lives. I'll, I'll just say this once again, I mean, in the old days, meaning like the 60s and 70s, if you were interested in objectivism, no joke, you had to send away for tapes or go to someone's house to be able to listen to records. So you guys could listen to records together. We are able to bring this to you because of your contributions, because of your membership, and um, you're the ones keeping us in business. So thank you for that. And I'll see you again uh, tomorrow, tomorrow with more of the Daily Objective. Be well.